Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Sometimes you just gotta jump into the deep end and drown a few times before you learn how to swim. And obviously you don't wanna drown because that means I think dying, but there is something of you know jumping into it and being willing to get embarrassed and make mistakes and have sunk costs and inefficiencies and make mistakes, but iterating along the way, that's gonna put you head and shoulders of everybody else who's too scared. You're listening to Estimate Rocket Radio the hassle-free online software for service contractors that keep your business running from lead to pay. We want your business to grow, so we make it easy to get your job done. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Estimate Rocket Radio. My name is Kathleen. I'm the Director of Sales here at Estimate Rocket. I am always joined by my very dynamic co-host, Chris Shank. He is the leader of education and engagement here at Estimate Rocket. Hi, Chris. Are you ready for our podcast today? Yes, it is a riot. (laughs) So I gush about a lot of people, but I thoroughly enjoy when this next person comes on to um, our podcast. Jason Paris is our guest today. And if you guys know him, you will know how much fun he brings to the table. Jason is a longtime friend of the Estimate Rock community. He also celebrates 11 and a half years of owning Paris Painting. He is very, very active in the PCA, and I think that's how I first um, met Jason. Uh, Jason also is a partner in Aleph um, Holdings, which is a building asset in the trades and real estate company, which is very interesting because I always love when I see people um, creating passive income for themselves. Jason Paris, former chair at the Painting Contractors Association, mover and shaker in the painting industry. You know that this guy, when you listen to him, you could tell he is a thought leader of thought leaders. I think if you want to know where the trades are going, specifically the painting trade, coatings in residential, commercial, and industrial, you're going to want to listen to what Jason says about the state of the union here. He has a really good sense about how painting companies can separate themselves from the rest who are not going to rise to the top. And he does believe there is an excess of profit to be had and not enough people to take advantage of that. So if you rise to the top, you're basically leveling up to more profit. And if you fail to do so, you won't see the profit. And I think that's what people miss. I think people think you'll just see a little less profit, but it's an exponentially diminished availability of profit. He talks about the have and have nots in the painting industry. The chasm between the two is vast. You've got to level up if you're going to make it in the painting industry, especially with the rise of AI technology and as super competitors take over the market. It's time to go hard. And Jason Paris is your guide. Hi, Jason. It's so great to have you with us today. I'm excited to be here and ready to take off. (laughs) <laughs> We're ready for your comedies, Jason. We need some comedies here. Ready to have some fun. Yeah. If I remember right, you call jokes a comedy. Is, do you still I, do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's just you know the way I talk. Sometimes it's 
it's an extension of my mind. Okay. So we have thoughts and then those thoughts become words and then those words escape our mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens to me sometimes. The word escape is probably instrumental there. <laughs> yeah. it, happened, uh, it happened again. Uh, hey, we had a great conversation lately, and that's what led to this podcast. We were talking about your company's accelerated growth in the last five years. Uh, you said the last five years saw more growth than the previous 10 years, and hence the topic, five years is the new 10 years. Ooh. So tell, tell us a little bit. Do you remember saying that, by the way? Because that As was I out of your- say. Sometimes these things escape. So <laughs> let's, say, tell yeah. us about it. How are things going, man? Yeah, I'd say, well, things are going good. So um, just kind of reframe the company growth. We started in a great time in general. So this was post 2008. Uh, so supply had gotten cold <laughs> in that in that bomb and uh, demand had gotten uh, postponed and then there was a surge. And so started the company in a great time where uh, we're really well positioned to, to take off. Uh, most companies, it's kind of as it is now, not professionalized, not really using technology, mm-hmm. a very low barrier to entry. And the demand was, there's a surplus of demand and really limited by how well you could execute your business model. Um, and we were limited, right? We were growing fast, but still limited ultimately by the bottleneck and the funnel that was me. Um, but I'd say about five years ago, got to a point where I was no longer the funnel or the bottleneck. And so the amount of effort and grit and uh, even ingenuity and leveraging of technology that I was able to do uh, capped out um, over the past five years, we've grown, you know, way more, uh, you know, a five X of the, of the previous terms of the, of the company. Um, but mostly because we've been leveraging systems and people. And when you say bottleneck, cause I really want to um, dig a little deeper into some of the pain points that you were experiencing can you describe some of the scenarios that you were encountering that, you know, our other, our estimate racket community might be really interested in say, oh my God, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I need it's to listen war. to Jason. Yeah. So sometimes it just, it feels like a war of attrition. Uh, so bottlenecks could be, you know, what is your pain tolerance? How many hours do you need to sleep a day? Uh, what's your ability to focus on tasks for a period of time? Um you know, you're, you're, what are you good at and what are you not good at? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you found a company, company, you're typically pretty okay at most things. If you have a huge blind spot, then you usually get crushed. So you don't survive. Uh, and maybe you're good at one thing. You're typically okay at at least leadership and have a little bit of, um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for, Chris? The resourcefulness or uh, are you- uh, like where people like to follow you, like you walk into oh, charisma, charisma, uh, Oh, and you have a ton of that. So that is. So when you found a company, you're typically like, you have a little bit of leadership, a little bit of charisma at the very least. And then you're okay at a lot of things. You probably have some things you're not too great at, but for the most part, you're able to cover your tracks. Um, But as you grow, you become a bottleneck because you're not great at most things. You just, Mm -hmm. you're you're probably a generalist, right? If you're Mm -hmm. a founder of a company, you're probably a generalist. If you were a specialist, you'd be an employee somewhere, right? Right. Uh, Right. It'd be a much better, better fit for it. So Bottlenecking, it's a little bit of what are you good at? And you're typically not great at many things. Uh, and then it's a little bit of war of attrition. So how well can you focus? How much sleep do you need? And what's your pain tolerance? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at Estimate Rocket, we throw this around a lot, especially in our leadership meetings. We always talk about what is the highest and best use of your time. Yeah. And you know, Chris and I, 
might be two people on the leadership team that have a little overlap of what we're good at, but then there's so many other things that he is great at that I really can't even begin to wrap my head around. Like and poetry. vice versa. Really, really good at <laughs> yeah, poetry. I don't, I don't know. There's no reciting of poems here with me. Yeah, I, but, I tend not to. That's one side Paris probably sees more than anybody else. For some reason, it entertains him. (laughs) I will bring a book, though, to the PCA when I come, just so I can recite a little bit of poetry for you. (laughs) But um, what's really interesting is when you look at other businesses, and you deal a lot in the painting industry and community, you know, the other really great successful businesses that are also on their their growth path you know when when they look at the obstacles of getting there and accelerating their businesses do you think to reach the new levels that they need to reach do you think there are certain um paths and tools that they need to achieve those levels of acceleration I think there's certainly commonalities. And as, as I always say, eight figures is the new seven figures. Right. And that's what you're starting to see in the industry. Seven figures used to be like, holy cow, uh, that's a that's a big boy. Uh, and you know, partially because of inflation, uh, but also the industry is professionalizing. You're getting more professionalized talent to running to run these companies instead of uh, technicians that are forced to run these companies because there's no other way to maximize their mid-level management talent because there's no organization that they can stay in and, and grow and, and, uh, mm. and be with. But the commonalities that you are seeing are the one, I would say number one is mindset, right? Mm-hmm. So what is the mindset of the, the person who's leading that, that charge or even the ownership or the ownership group? And is it something where I'm here to uh, benefit myself, you know, to the max through a job? Or am I looking to grow equity and I want others to participate in that. So there's kind of a little bit of a mindset of, is it a me or is it a we, mm-hmm. right? So that's mindset number one. And then two, um, I was saying you really start to grow your, your leveraging tools and technology, right? And this has been a big shift over the last five years. So uh, the painting industry is not uh, a leader. It's definitely a lager. And we have a hard enough time getting people to adopt spreadsheets in this industry, much less software and tools and tech. But those that are able to, are able to leverage uh, their infrastructure quite a bit. And Mm -hmm. I'd say that ends up ultimately being one of the limiting factors in the company is what level of infrastructure complexity can you wrap your head around? Mm -hmm. And the more you can leverage technology, the more you can squeeze whatever that level is that you're able to uh, architect and facilitate. Hmm. I don't know if you know this about us, our backgrounds, but when we first started out, just after college, um, we had a business where we went into companies and we designed spreadsheets to specifically suit their needs. So, and they were in all different industries. So we would, we would do this. And after a while, these spreadsheets got so intricate that we could see the need for software because the spreadsheets are great and they'll give you data, but they're flat. They're kind of, unless you're touching the keyboard, numbers are not changing. You get the same numbers that you got the last time you logged into the spreadsheet. Whereas when you have a software program, it's almost like it's living and breathing. So I remember the days 
and it was really in the 80s when we were we made a ton of money designing spreadsheets for various companies yeah. And so, but that's what led us to, okay, we can give you this, but you can't get to the next level you're looking for unless we write a software program for you that will continually give you updates. So it it, it is a big transition and I see how valuable the spreadsheets are, but they're, they're not in real time and they don't um, give you a story like a software program can give to you. The architecture gets really complicated really fast. So you were building spreadsheets, you know this better than anybody. Yeah. And then your company grows and adapts and you want to change one column and suddenly the whole thing is broken. And uh, there's no thing need where- that. <laughs> yeah. And then you, then you turn this, you have these spreadsheets for estimating that funnel into the production team and you give yep. it to the estimators and estimators are the, the worst people in the world. I hate saying right. they're my least favorite people in the company. And, <laughs> but they uh, make you the most money. <laughs> and make you, can't live with them, can't live without them, but That's they're right. just not compliant, right? If you, want, if you want a human that is going to be compliant and understand the downstream consequences of their non-compliance, you do not hire a salesperson. They're the opposite of that. They're right. charismatic. They can follow through a sales process. They're extroverted, all those fun things. The opposite of someone who's like a high C on the disc profile. And so suddenly your whole thing breaks. Uh, I just had a quick question while you're saying that. What was your favorite spreadsheet formula? Oh, gosh, I didn't write them. So you'll have to ask Tom. When you see Tom at the PCA, ask him. In fact, um, he has this what if um, spreadsheet that he does a, a he does speaking engagements on and he gives yeah. out the what if spreadsheet um to anyone so i'll have chris send you over after this uh podcast the what if spreadsheet okay. so you can see it and play with it um, um but i'll have to ask i never asked him that question because i mean he was making these monstrous spreadsheets yeah. for these companies and i'll have to ask him what his favorite formula was yeah, That's spreadsheets are kind of a big deal. There's uh, Chris knows this because I gave an hour and a half presentation on spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. and, uh, just the real-time circular referencing uh, calculations that they can have was a, mm -hmm. a game changer. I personally like the import range. That's probably one of my favorites. Import range. Okay. All right. Well, you but wanna, you, needed, you... you needed spreadsheets in order to get to the point where you could write software. That was our path. Yeah, and it's a and, and they're a great. Um, sometimes the best way to know what you want in software is to have an extremely um, robust prototype. Mm -hmm. and the nice thing about spreadsheets is they're highly malleable. They can you can adjust them really quick. Uh, but with every strength comes a weakness, right? So they're right. not very stable. They're not very uh, enforcing right. compliant. You can't really build gates that easily. Uh, right. it's harder to do the things that you want to do in software and you, you, you can start to build something quite robust, uh, but then you don't have enough processing power and, and the sheet takes a minute to load every time you want to change something. So right. uh, there's strengths and there's weaknesses, but building right. A, right. a prototype for what you want, it's a great, it's a great gateway drug into software. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and Kathy had mentioned the, what if, and, and I want to get your opinion on this because it was kind of cool now that she brought it up. Um, and I'll send it to you. We can put it in show notes too, if anybody's interested, but what it is, uh, there's so much that's already available, obviously in estimate rocket software, but there's all, all these gateways to the software 
that if people don't know how to build the, these little simple formulas and stuff in spreadsheets, that's where Tom's kind of trying to give some things out for people. But it still gets kind of complicated. So we have tutorials and stuff on the on the download page. We have free tutorials on how to use it. But it it actually helps you calculate if I have this many employees working yeah. this much time and my pricing is right here and my overhead is right here, how much do I make every year? You know, yeah. what's what's my what's my net? What am I netting from all this? If I changed one of these variables, what does that do? So it helps you kind of quickly project what possible changes could make your dreams real for the next year as far as like your income uh, or your revenue. And so I, I just think that's kind of cool that there's always some new use for some quick formula that like helps you imagine things without pulling in an accountant or without having like big meetings where everybody's trying to pull all the data. You just, you almost just play with it just a little bit. And it's, that's why we call it what if. Um, so I think you'd like it. I think you'd have an appreciation for it. I'm for sure you sure guys might like it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't think we appreciate it enough. And I think, you know, Kathy yeah. saw capitalized this and saw on it when she goes out of college of this used to take a department floor of people crunching right. numbers. And then right. when, when spreadsheets started to come out, it wasn't it like took a while to fully dawn on what just happened. Right. And I think we're seeing something similar with AI where, yeah, it's going to wipe, it's going to wipe out floors of people. Right. Mm. Uh, but the same way that the spreadsheet did, right. The same mm. way that the calculator did and, and on and on. So and you're on. like, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's happened before. It's happened before, <laughs> but it's, it's interesting where there'll be those who utilize it and those who don't. And those who do are just going to be able to leverage their infrastructure much farther, right? And so they may not have a very complex business, but they have a very effective and leveraging technology business. And they may outperform, uh, you know, a pen and paper company that's highly robust and very complex and in incredible architecture, mm -hmm. uh, but they're not leveraging technology and tools the same way. Almost as if it's a multiplier, like, hey, you may have this good, but what's going to multiply it to the next? And which is going to be an important part of the game here, which one of the next questions we have for you is if things are moving along pretty quickly and some companies are level, leveling up pretty fast. I, I talk about competition a lot. It, to me, it's important to be aware of competition, not just who your competitors are, but what's the game being played? How good do I have to be? I don't have to be the best. And, and there's a layer of cooperation that I know you mentioned. And I think that's very beneficial to mention too, saying there could be not just a net zero um, game, but there could be win-win opportunities here where we all win more together, all boats rise in the tide kind of thing. But I still think if you're not a strong competitor, you're not good for your team of across the competitor wide community, you're not good for that team, but you're also just not going to make it among the other aggressive competitors that have no sense of team. So you just got to have, you got to bring your A game when other people are playing their A game. So let me, let me just frame this as a question here. You're talking about um, what was the original topic? Uh, the five years is the new 10 years. So yeah. a lot of growth yeah. is happening in five years that used to take maybe 10 years. Yeah. What is the appropriate responses for companies who want to now say, I have to accelerate? I have to now play at that Paris level game here. This is Paris is no joke, man. It's time. <laughs> it's time to like, really any encumbrance that would so easily beset us as some have said, what are we going to do to say, we've got to run on all cylinders. You know, how do I gun it? What do you, what's your thought about that? For yeah, those companies? Get pwned noobs. All your base belong to us. Uh, oh, I would say, oh. you know, part of it is just getting in the arena. Right. And so, uh, you know, sometimes our egos can get involved and we're afraid what other people think and we're in a social media world and you almost don't want to try new things. You want to rest on your laurels with what's working 
because when you try new things, you oftentimes fail. And I was saying here on the office that I've kind of gotten into the last year, which is sometimes you just got to jump into the deep end and drown a few times before you learn how to swim. And obviously you don't want to drown because that means, I think, I think it means dying, uh, <laughs> but there is something of just jump in the deep end and drown a few times and then you'll learn how to swim. I love and, it. And I think that's an element of, uh, you know, anyone who's gotten into AI over the last nine months, no one's an expert. <laughs> there's no guide. There's no perfect way to do this. Uh, and that's probably with all technology, you know, jumping into it and being willing to get embarrassed and make mistakes and have sunk costs and inefficiencies and make mistakes, but iterating along the way, that's going to put you head and shoulders of everybody else who's too scared, right? Cause that's going to be pretty much everybody when something new comes out, right? And that's, right. that's probably very similar to software, right? People get scared mm-hmm. and say, well, I feel like I'm going to take a step backwards before I take a step forwards. Exactly. You mm-hmm. are going to take a step backwards. It's going to be harder to implement your software, to implement software, right? This is like not a great pitch for us in rocket, but it's probably a true pitch. It is going to be harder for the first three months. Mm-hmm. But that is the price you're going to pay to go much farther than you could ever go mm-hmm. under your current operating system. And that's like, doesn't sound fun. It's like, well, I'd rather just walk on the outside of the pool and not, not flail around in the deep end. It's like, well, this metaphor is going to break down pretty quickly. First of all, uh, <laughs> no, it's going, it's gotta, going strong, yeah. man. Sometimes you just got to get in there make some mistakes, uh, take your lumps, but know that when you're the one in the arena, uh, you're going to be performing at the highest level. Right. Yeah. And, and the nice thing about, um, using software and we, we can actually give them stats on their growth year over year. And, you know, the growth has to do with them, of course, and their dedication and commitment to their business. And maybe they have a business coach, but young men have come to us and women have come to us making maybe a million dollars a year. And over the six years that they've been with Estimate Rocket, they're in the 20, $25 million range now. Mm -hmm. So you do that with many, many other tools as well. But we're one of the tools and they swear by that. So we love being a business growth system for companies. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you're not going to scale and grow without an operating system. Right. So you have to pick one. Right. Right. And it also takes coaching. You know, we're not, we're not a coaching company. So, but you can't, it's hard because you can't, I feel like you can't coach well without without the data. right? right. What are you going to coach on? If you have a sales rep, Right. I'm going to provide coaching on what? <laughs> right. Is right. his SR low? Is his SR, is he selling a high percentage of jobs, a low percentage of jobs? Maybe he's selling a low percentage of jobs. Okay. Now we need to teach him with the skill of, of sales. What if he's selling a high percentage of jobs, uh, but they're all uh, low margin. Right. Okay. Now I need to teach him the skill, the coaching of estimating accurately. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. what you're going to coach somebody on is oftentimes driven by the data, uh, which is surfaced to you through an operating system. Right. And, and I also think that some people limit their minds by, you know, if they can get onto good systems, then when they want to sell their company, they have proven data of what each team member is doing. You know, we have daily accountability for every team member. So your team the profitability of the company year over year. So we we really dig into the historical stats too, so mm-hmm. that when it gets time that they do have something that they can sell 
And I don't think they think about that enough. You know, it's not just to pay yourself today. It's to sell it down the road, potentially, if that's what you choose to do. You could always have someone else run it. But if you choose to sell it, then everyone in the company can make something off of that as well. And you have a product, a really good, solid, proven track record to sell. And I think that's really important for people to understand. That's what professionalized industries do is they harvest right. equity. And that's right. one of the reasons that uh, painting has not attracted after in the painting industry. So I know you guys service many other yeah. industries, but the painting industry has not attracted top level business talent because the equity has not been harvestable. Right. right? And uh, you see MBA students going to start breweries, right? And <laughs> it used to be that people who started breweries were people who like to drink, right? Yeah. And suddenly there started to be these mergers and acquisitions where now MBA students are like, well, if I start a brewery, uh, there's a potential equity uh, harvesting down the road. Right. Right now, who starts painting companies? It's people who like to paint uh, and mostly disenfranchised painters who do not work for a great company. And the only way to maximize their mid-level management abilities is to start their own company, but they don't want to start their own company. And so that's who ends up running businesses in our industry. And I think if you can start to prove out the model that the equity can be harvested in a multitude of ways, right? Whether it's a full sale or a partial sale uh, or stock options, that will attract top level business talent into the industry, which helps it professionalize, which rises all the votes. Mm. Well said. Sounds, sounds like a good plan there. That's my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason, what do you think the next five years looks like for the industry? Yeah, it's kind of slow moving. I'm surprised it hasn't changed more in the last five years. Uh, but I mean, my hypothesis is that you see uh, a beginning of a roll up, right? A little more aggregation. And that, or maybe like a more stratification between the, the haves and the haves nots, right? And technology strives that a little bit uh, as well as like general business acumen drives that, but those who are willing to adopt spreadsheets are outperforming those who are running on pen and paper. Those who have a software operating system are going to outperform those who go off of uh, their gut feelings. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, I feel like there should be a stratification of between the have and have nots, but man, I am kind of disillusioned after these past five years at how slow this industry moves uh, because there's so much excess profit out there. Uh, so there's a lot of, there's excess demand in the market for professional home services. Mm-hmm. There's more painting to be done than there are painters to do it. Yeah. Uh, and that gap is only wider when you look at professionalized services. So the amount of homeowners that want a professional experience mm-hmm. to service their home compared to the bandwidth of service professionals <laughs> that are operating homes is a big gap. And that is code for excess profit. And when there's excess profit, it usually drives competition. But for a myriad of factors, you haven't really seen it flow in and you've seen it and you've seen the bandwidth continue to flow out. It's the boomers are retiring. Millennials want to make coffees and type on keyboards. And uh, the trades are like stigmatized and not being cool. And you just have like this weird thing that you think the market would have solved by now, but it hasn't. Uh, But I don't think that secret stays there forever. I think all those societal factors start to shift and change. I think top level business talent does begin to flock into the trades as knowledge work begins to get outsourced to AI. And I think the industry just becomes a lot more professionalized. You know, and I think that, uh, and I don't know uh, what grade you would pick to go into it, but I really think that some of you top performers 
need to go to the schools before they decide if they're going into the trades or going on to college. First of all, I do think college can be a waste of money with the amount of money that they're charging now for every student to go to college. It's ridiculous. It's overwhelming. And I feel that, you know, we always felt because this is our second company. We had a first company as well. So we've been owning our own software companies for 25 years. We would just as soon hire an, a smart, talented go-getter than someone that has all these degrees behind them because the degrees can be low performers actually. So, and that's just my opinion as a business owner of the last 25 years, but a degree doesn't mean that you're going to do a great job in a certain profession. Yeah. I used to be impressed by MBA students yeah. back in the day. Some of the dumbest people I've met have MBA exactly. students. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you even eat an ice cream cone without injuring yourself? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> but, but, but I'm thinking that you guys should go into maybe the oh, eighth yeah. grade classes and show them, show them what top performing service contractors look like. Show them what you talk about, how you feel about your business, how much money they can potentially make within a business. You know, I think more and more businesses are going to the model of what the software companies have been doing for a while, and that is profit sharing. So, you know, you, you get everyone involved. Everyone has skin in the game. Um, you know, we're doing, we're going to be doing the same thing and it's important. It's important to have everyone rewarded equally for what the company, how well the company does and be the change you want to see in the world. Right. And part of the reason we are in this, uh, challenging scenario in the painting industry is the lack of good role models. Right. So if you have a role model, if you know somebody who owned a painting company, uh, odds are they are old, they are grumpy, <laughs> they are tired, uh, they're an alcoholic and probably divorced, right? This is like not great role models, typically, 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 um, calm down. That sounds please. like me. <laughs> no, that's not Chris. That's Chris. Not Chris. Christopher. That's, I'm just kidding. No, you're, you're not. not. It's all saying, this and it's not Chris. <laughs> I mean, the new, if you, it's kind of be the change you want to see in the world, become a role right. model for those that look around you. You know, I would right. be shocked that there are not people, uh, looking at myself and looking at many other painting contractors who are top performers and saying, I would actually like to be like that guy, right? Nobody wants to be like uncle Chuck who is uh, <laughs> falling over at Thanksgiving and he's got paint on his shoes. Right. And it's like, I do not want to be that when I grow up. Uh, that sounds like a, a Chevy chase movie. It's a, exactly. That's kind of what, what, what I was envisioning. Yeah. Right? Where the uncle but, is in an RV and he comes yeah. to visit. Yeah. But nowadays, right, painting contractors and especially at the PCA, it's kind of the cream of the crop. And you walk in there, it's like, there's a lot of people. It's like, yeah, I think a lot of people would like to be like these people. Like, this is pretty, pretty good deal. I uh, have an HVAC guy. He's, I think he just turned 40 and he's in our community. He drives around in a $200,000 truck. He has a Rolex. He has uh, two, $3 million homes. And I know him because I'm friendly with his wife. But that's the guy that needs to go into these schools and say, do you want to become me? Do you want to work for me? I will elevate you as I elevate in my career. You know, so one of the things in Estimate Rocket that 
we, you know, you need to have a mission statement when you start a company and we want to have our contractors thrive using estimate rocket, because if we can help them every year to make more and more and more money, their home lives are going to thrive. They're going to donate to charity within their community so their community can thrive. So thriving is a big word around here, and we take it very seriously. And we love to look at the stats on how our customers are growing year over year over year over year. Yeah, it'll probably be a fun time in the next you know, 10, 20 years where people will start to see some financial prosperity, but the trades are also pretty humble. And so you still have like good, cool people. Uh, yeah. Then eventually everyone will become just like a Wall Street bro and we'll all be a bunch of a-holes and jerks. No, no, no. We're not going to have that. We're not going to allow and, that. <laughs> but the trades are fun. Th- I mean, in general, the trades are like, uh, it's also just, you can build these little freedom machines and, you know, you can make a lot of money, but also uh, be happy, right? And you right. can have a good life and impact others and, and have a lot of flexibility. And those are all important things too. Thrive, right? That's the word. <laughs> so- I think some people are looking for podcasts like this one where they're looking for a way to differentiate themselves. Some are, are just continuing to edu- educate themselves because they are professional because they know this is what professional people do and they're having a good success experience in their business. Other people are trying to get there. So I hope people listening can, what I'm taking away from this and I hope what people take away from it is there is um, differentiators available to you. It's not just, work your butt off and, and you're going to get there one day if you just keep working hard or if you keep believing, just keep believing. But there are things you can do to professionalize, to get to that next level. Um, one, like you said, you got to jump in. You just got to jump in and you got to try it. Whether it's software, some new business process, whether it's hiring the right professionals to lead your company in the right direction, which it sounds like that you were, you have been busy doing. Um, it's, it's, it's hard but you also have to play very smartly. So listen to the smart people around you that have gotten there. Um, and, and I hope that people take that to heart, really, that there are some things you can do, but you can't sit there. You can't sit there and keep doing what you're doing. As you learn, you got to apply what you learn always and keep learning on top of that. But if you sit there, you will be passed by and you will be the the have not. You know, I wish I had, I wish I could have. I wish I still did that when I had time or the smarts or the people around me to support me or whatever. Now's the time. And I, I think it's possible if people take that seriously. Do you think that's a fair conclusion to some of this? Yeah. One of the you know saddest things in life is unrealized potential. Yeah. And that's a, that is probably the default course. <laughs> that is the default course. And it requires active energy and effort to realize your potential as an individual, as an organization, uh, empowering those around you. Uh, and we're in a very special time in the, I'll just call it in the US, right? Mm-hmm. We're in a very special time. We have this amazing opportunity in the trades. Uh, whether the economy is good or bad, it's, you're limited by how well you can execute your business model. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, taking advantage of that is, it's, it's just, it's, it's hard to fully appreciate what a unique moment in time this is uh, throughout history, as well as geographically within the world. Right? The opportunities that we have in this country, in this industry, uh, most of humanity for the for the history of humanity it'll blow their minds and right. I hope that we don't let that pass us by yes amen so, well, well said Jason it's always a pleasure I think you raised the intellectual caliber of this podcast so high we're excited to have you so proud to be associated with people like you thanks for being on, on the podcast 
Absolutely. Thank you, Jason. We definitely want to have you back again. I think there's so much more to talk about with you. Yeah, I had a great time. I appreciate you both, Jack and Chris. This is Estimate Rocket Radio. Join our team at EstimateRocket.com. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.